Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 390. Wow. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink. I'm here, too. I'm going to be joining Ryan's uh, every now and again just to hang. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who are asking, uh, where's Jamie? Jamie is super busy. She will be back here and there. So she's around. We're going to have more surprises over the next couple weeks. If all goes according to plan, more people joining us here on TWIM. It's going to be fun. It's going to be wacky. But I'm so delighted to have Lorraine on because... Um, you know, we used to do a show called Thwip, the Big Marvel Show, which was fun and weird and very inappropriate, and we had a great time. And that's why they had to separate us, but now we're together again, and there it's no hold bars. We can do anything we want, and that's why I brought all of these hand puppets. Rawr. Yeah, they they make their own noises. It now occurs to me that maybe I should have brought something that people could so something hear. Vi- yeah, as not just visual? See. Well, I'll work on it for next time. 100%. But we got to start this episode off because we have so much to talk about. The toppest of news this week is that we are just a few short days away from the release of Marvel Studios' Avengers Endgame. That's not actually the news. The news is that the world premiere, the red carpet world premiere from Los Angeles has been announced. It is going to be Monday, April 22nd. And guess who's going to be hosting? Me. I'm going to be there. And also this guy. I, me. You're, you're pointing at me. That, they the, can't see that. Well, anyways, you guys should definitely watch it. We're going to have tons of action from the red carpet. We'll be talking about that more uh, later on in the show. Yeah, because uh, one of the fun things that we want to do is just chat about what it's like being on the red carpet. You've been hosting these for us for so long and done so many of the films. And you're in a little paper called the New York Times. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I broke the seal, y'all. I'm very excited. What because, does that mean? No, I've never been in the New York Times. And that's like one of those things. If you're a New Yorker, you kind of are like, what crime can I commit to make it into the New York Times? Or is my wedding big enough to get a mention? Or do I do something of interest? I like that your brain I goes right to on crimes. crime. Yeah, yeah. That makes yeah. sense. You can read that New York Times article. We'll talk about that more. And you can watch the premiere on April 22nd at marvel.com slash endgame premiere. Another big thing is that we premiered the first episode of our Marvel Live Twitter show this week. Uh, woo, woo, woo. With, yeah, woo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo, woo, woo. Congratulations, Ryan. Those host. hand puppets are great. Thank you. Uh, They're dancing. <laughs> I'm co-hosting it with uh, Marvel's Voices host, Angelique Roche. We have the first episode was this week. We have uh, at least two more coming up and probably more after that. But in it, we announced some Endgame-related updates coming to Marvel Games, which is super fun. We talked about the premiere. We actually got to break the news about the premiere. We goofed around. We had Captain America artist Adam Kubert drawing live. And we had writer-comedian John Hodgman as our first guest. And then, oh, of course, I got to mention him, sweet baby boy, Josh Soleil. He was there flexing his guns on the show. He was terrific. You can watch the replay of that first episode on the official Marvel Twitter, and it's it's a lot of fun. I like live shows because um, nobody can stop me. Did Josh Soleil actually flex his muscles? Yeah, the, so he did a, a video from Midtown Comics talking mm-hmm. about smart heroes and for whatever reason at one point he like flexed his arm and he's got one of those like veins that pops out of his arm you're like oh that boy's been working out that's a sign of low body fat so kudos to you josh soleil those are my hashtag goals too many veins no good no i want to look like um like just a walking network of somebody's central nervous system just like a lot of veins (laughs) tendons (laughs) like have you seen the bodies exhibit yes that's not what I'm going for. Eat yeah, I was healthy. About to say, Take care of your that body. That means you have no skin. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Is there, there. a different way to lose weight? Uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, we're also going to have an interview with comedian, writer, actor Yasser Lester later in the show, who was delightful. He's on the show uh, Black Monday, which is on Showtime. I think at one point in the interview, I was like, this feels like that moment in Step Brothers where we're I best knew friends. I we were going to say that. Do we just become best friends? Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. That's so good. So stay tuned for that. But now, on to things we're hyped about this week, comma, including news. Our first news bit this week, something that we're super hyped about, is a release date for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. Big shout out to them. On July 19th, the Marvel Ultimate Alliance series returns for the first time in 10 years. It's wild. Anyway, uh, it's only available on the Nintendo Switch system. 
in Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order, you'll assemble your ultimate team of Marvel superheroes from a gigantic cast with new heroes joining the action, tons of powers, and these special moves. Yeah, in this new story, heroes and villains are going to unite in a race across new and familiar locations in the Marvel Universe. Up to four people can play together in local or online co-op, and they're going to have the ability to drop in and out at any time. In addition to the traditional like isometric perspective the series is known for, Lorraine, you know what that means? Um, is that like when you work one muscle and then the other muscle works? I'm still back on this network of veins. Yeah, that's how you get the big thick veins. Okay, no, great. isometric is sort of this sort of top down, not straight overhead, but sort of like three quarters perspective look at the characters. So like third person. Yeah, so you know Diablo and yeah. those types of games or the original Marvel Ultimate Alliance and Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2. Just like that. So that'll help you, you guys who are listening, get a sense of what that's like. You can also, though, select a dynamic over-the-shoulder heroic camera view for a more immersive experience when playing in single-player mode or local multiplayer using, you know, multiple systems. Marvel Ultimate Alliance The Black Order will hit stores and the Nintendo eShop on Nintendo Switch on July 19th. And I'm actually very excited because I like playing games more in third person than first person mm. because I get vertigo <laughs> when oh, I no. play in first person. Um, I spent a lot of time just like walking into a corner also. <laughs> <laughs> so third person is just better for me. What's super fun about this one, though, is the release date being July 19th is during Comic-Con San Diego. So, which means I'm going to bring my Switch with my copy of MUA 3 to the convention. Twim Maniacs, let us know that you're going to be there. I want to play some MUA 3 with you when we're at the convention, as if we'll have a lot of time to just yeah, go around so and play. Yeah, we have so much downtime to do co-op modes we'll and stuff. Find, I'll find the time. Dang it. Yeah. It's going to be great. Just do it for your Twim event that I'm sure will happen. It is. We're doing something for Twim, but it, that's going to be something completely different. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, do you like the Star Wars? I love Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars is pretty great. And there was the big Star Wars celebration last week. I got really excited because there was a whole bunch of stuff. Obviously, all the stuff about the new movie, the yeah. TV show, yeah. the game. Yeah. All that stuff is great, but we have a ton of comic stuff. Yeah, Greg Pak and Phil Noto are jumping on that Star Wars title. They're the new creative team started with number 68. Yeah. And their run kicks off before Empire Strikes Back. AKA the best Star Wars movie, in my personal Whoa. opinion, hot take. Come Whoa. for me, internet. I will have this fight with you. Actually, well, it's not really a fight. It's, I mean, of the, of the original trilogy, it is the best. My personal I, of any opinion. of, I, mm-hmm. I love it the most. But I'm a big Ewok guy too, so you can give me some Return of the Jedi, and I'm, oh my god, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna eat that up. I'm just saying that I love it so much that my Wi-Fi for many years has been called Echo Base because that is where they are on Hoth. Goodbye. Yeah. I thought you were going to say my wife. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, my Borat Wi-Fi. <laughs> my Wi-Fi. <laughs> Goodbye forever. Um, but the work by Phil Noto in this book is going to be gorgeous because Phil Noto does gorgeous work. You might remember him from his very popular run on Black Widow, especially Gorge. Yeah, but I mean, he's done a ton of Star Wars work too. Yes. Uh, Greg's been, he's been crushing it on some Star Wars, uh, including writing eight issues in our Age of Rebellion series of one shots. I didn't realize it was eight. Him mm-hmm. and Jody Hauser, I have to, I, like, I would love to know who's been doing more of these one shots, but either one of them, they're absolutely doing phenomenal work. But that, so they've been doing the Age of. You know, like the different one shots mm-hmm. and it's set in three different trilogies. So now at Celebration, we got to see a whole bunch of stuff for Age of Resistance. All right. Oh, we've got more. Let's talk about Valkyrie. Tell me. We broke the news that the new Valkyrie comic is coming in July and it's going to star Bada Bang, Jane Foster as our girl Val. This new comic is going to be written by Jason Aaron and Al Ewing with art by Kafu. 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 Kafu uh, is an Bless artist. Bless you. Kavu has been working for our Distinguished Competition, uh, but he's been doing some stuff with us, so very excited. I I remember recently we had the retreat here, the editorial retreat where all the creators were, and so Al was talking about this book extensively. I can't give a lot of those story details, but Jamie got a great quote from Al Ewing that's on Marvel.com. I want to read this line because I, I really dug this. Al says, there's a line in Valkyrie number one, quote, Thor is a god, Valkyrie is a job. End quote. Jane knows how to be Thor, but the role of Valkyrie, the warrior who fights for the living and the dead and stands between both, is a very different beast. 
It's a sacred task and brings additional abilities and responsibilities of its own. As the first of a new generation of Valkyries, Jane has to decide for herself what that task involves, and that's a big part of what we'll be exploring in the series. If you're reading this, you know who Valkyrie is, but what she is is one of the big philosophical underpinnings of the book. That makes me super, super duper excited because I love Valkyrie and I've been recently really looking into her history very deeply because I've been working on my previous book. But Valkyrie has this very long legacy and, you know, Odin really plucked her. She she would not leave her lover's side who had been killed in battle. She didn't care. She wasn't budging. And Odin said, hey, you're pretty badass. Would you like to escort warriors to Valhalla? And she was like, dope. Give me that job. I'll take it. She said, Valhalla. Valhalla. But I'm excited to see what Jane's going to do, especially because she has such a complex relationship historically with Odin. Hot take. But Odin, not a fan. Not a nice guy. She, Jane Foster beat the Mangog. Thor Odinson could not beat the Mangog. Like, she's awesome. She's so cool, so badass. I love everything Jane. Uh, All right, we got more comic stuff to talk about because I got really excited. Uh, A bunch of the assistant editors were tweeting this out, and I was like, what is this? What's going on? And they were tweeting out just the little image that said Acts of Evil. And so coming in July is Acts of Evil that will pit Ms. Marvel, Venom, and the Punisher against first-time foes in their own annual issues. Then there'll be more of these annuals in August and September with other characters. But this, like the font, the way it's designed, reminds me of Acts of Vengeance, which is one of my favorite... Do you know what Acts of... Do you know know much about Acts of Vengeance? Acts of Vengeance is a great story. Fresh. In like the late 80s where... I believe Loki uh, sort of starts to instigate this with a bunch of other villains to be like, hey, yes. I always have a hard time against Thor. Why don't you take Thor and I'll take, you know, your guy. Then you take his guy and I'll take his girl. Like they, they switch partners. It's to hero battle. villain speed dating. Yes. It has Magneto facing Captain America. Yes. And so Red Skull shows up and he's like, yeah, get him. You're doing great. And Magneto is just like, what? You Nazi piece of trash. And he like doesn't even think about Captain America. From what I remember, because my memory can be painted differently from reality, he basically crushes Red Skull in metal and is like, you're a Nazi piece of trash. I don't want any part of this. Peace out. And he leaves Red Skull there. And Cap's like, cool, 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 cool. And there's more more acts of vengeance. It's a really fun story. So really, the act of vengeance was it imploded a little bit. Yeah, I mean they're villains. They're a bunch of dumb butts. Well, let's talk about some of the dumb butts that our heroes are going to go up against. Yes. Uh, Miss Marvel annual number one is going to be Ms. Marvel versus the Super Scroll, written by Magdalene Visaggio, with art by John Lim and a cover by Stefano Caselli. In Punisher annual number one, Punisher is going to go up against the Brood Queen, written by Carla Pacheco, teaming up with artist Adam Gorham. Uh, and so you're going to have Dustin Weaver on the cover, which is really cool. Finish up the, the last one, and I want to talk about the creatives for a second. Oh, sure. Venom Annual number one will be the last of the three, and it's going to be Venom versus Lady Hellbender, written by Ryan Katie, with art by Simone DeMaio, and a cover by Wu Dae Shim. Venom is going to face Lady Hellbender, um, which I assume is close to your heart because she was also looking for Fang Fang Foom, as you always are. That's that should be like my sitcom name, looking for Fin Fang Foom. Oh my god! And then it's you like looking at a picture of Fin Fang Foom with like hearts around it. It's essentially that X Men the animated series meme of Wolverine in bed looking at the picture, (laughs) and it's me in bed looking at a picture of Fin Fang Foom. But you know what else I'm looking at that I'm excited about? Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Season 3 is back, and there are all kinds of cool details about it now. Mm. So Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy is an animated series on Disney XD, and this season is titled Mission Breakout, named after the ride from Disney California Adventure Park that Ryan and I rode. Yeah. Did I tell you I hurt my arm on that ride? Because you were clutching it? There's like a metal bar on the side, and I clutched it so hard once it dug into my arm. And for like a year, I had like couldn't use my arm fully. I'm going to be honest. I rode the ride next to Ryan and there are like these handles that you grab onto. And I went to grab onto mine, but it was too late because Ryan Pedagos was already gripping it. Yeah. Like he was going to actually die. But you lived. I am theoretically still here. I will say that you would have fared better if you would have just relaxed. No. (laughs) 
So anyways, uh, the Guardians this season are going to be breaking out of lots of situations. First of all, the collector ship. Then they are going to be going into the Black Vortex. You guys might remember that from a comic book by Sam Humphreys around 2015. Oh, Sammy Humphreys. But the Guardians are going to be going into the Black Vortex, which is a mirror-like artifact, and that is going to send them into separate sort of dream dimensions. And what's really, really cool about this is each Guardian, when they're separated, is in a different animation style. And those have never really been seen in the Marvel Universe in this way. So it's just a really fun way for them to play, like Gamora's getting stuck in a fairy tale land. Uh, we're going to see things in sort of CGI style, in comic book style, in all kinds of different things. So it's going to be really, really cool. And there's also like a Steamboat Mickey style, oh which is incredible. Oh. And let me tell you, Ronan the Accuser is there, and it is delightful. <laughs> uh, you can check out some of the images from that on Marvel.com. And of course, there's plenty more. You can go see Marvel.com. But that's the stuff that's happening now. Lorraine, this is the part of the show where we talk about this week in Marvel history. History, history, history. Did you hear that echo wow, in here? Wow, those puppets are doing great work. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the history that we are talking about this week is from April 19th through April 25th. We'll touch on some of these, but the full list that I put together will be on Marvel.com, so you can read some of these as we go along. The oldest one that I had for this week was April 21st, 1953, with Menace Number 5. It sounds like it's sort of an inconsequential issue being right in the middle of the Atlas era, but it is one just uh, a year before the release of Seduction of the Innocent, which we can talk about in a second. But it's also a Bill Everett, Stan Lee story in Menace Number no. 5, giving us the introduction of zombie Simon Garth, who I don't think he's named there, but that character gets brought back in the 70s for the iZombie story. Uh, and then most recently, I think it was last October, we had a Marvel zombie one shot featuring that Simon Garth character who's just like a weirdo hippie zombie. It's a lot of fun, but it has its origins back in 1953. Well, and only one year later, as you mentioned, Seduction of the Innocent was published, and it's not a Marvel title if no. you've never heard of that. <laughs> no. But it did affect Marvel Comics in a big way. Yeah, I, I put it on here because it's it's such a like crucial point in all of comics history. Definitely. Uh, Dr. I don't even want to call him a doctor jerk face. Frederick Wortham claimed that comics were negatively influencing the youth of the world and the country. And so he wrote this book talking about the ills of violent comics, of like the horror comics, which EC in particular was doing some gruesome things at the time. Uh, we were getting there, but we were never at that level. But he basically painted the entire comics industry as destroying the children's minds. And so there were governmental hearings and arguments. And then the book actually caused the comics industry to self-regulate with the implementation of the Comics Code, or as we, you know, we call it the Comics Code Authority, that big symbol that was on the cover of comics for like 50 years, you know, yeah. more. It was a huge thing. It was a hard time. A totally. Lot of, a lot of our titles thinned out, too. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Next up, you're going to be talking about the 70s. And mm. because this is Marvel 80th, every sort of month we are looking into a different decade of comics. And the 70s is the Bronze Age. I love, I don't know why, I just like that we get medals. You danced a little bit. The thing I think is interesting about the Bronze Age is it really is super 70s, like the sort of inherent <laughs> DNA of it all. So we have like Kung Fu and sort of like that Bruce Lee style with Shang. Chi and we have Luke Cage and Misty Knight and Colleen Wing like bringing home those those street level heroes but then we also have like the sort of easy rider influenced characters like I think Punisher and Wolverine and those guys with all the sideburns <laughs> are very much of that realm and then we go super cosmic because of we're in a post moon landing world and we start seeing things like Thanos and Adam Warlock and Gamora and all those folks because our cosmos got bigger. Yeah, it, it's funny that you should mention that because we have two special episodes of the podcast coming out this month. I think one of them is even this already out this week. The our This Week in Marvel Reading Club with C.B. Sobolski is about some 70s books, Avengers 160 through 162. And then on the poll list, Tucker and I talk about a wide array. So we, we read some issues of like Shang-Chi, yeah. uh, Master of Kung Fu, and Howard the Duck, and... 
Ghost Rider's first appearance. So there, yeah, we were we dig into all that stuff, uh, which leads us to April 22nd, 1975, because Moon Knight debuts in the pages of Werewolf by Night, issue number 32, by Doug Monk and Don Perlin, which Moon Knight is a fascinating character, you know, he's 200 plus issues, runs can feel so different from one another, but like one of my favorite moments is from the 2006 series when I think it's issue number two, he cuts off a dude's face literally with one of his like moonerangs or whatever he calls it. And he cuts off the dude's face, holds it to the moon and he yells, Kanshu! And like yelling at his God, like, is this what you wanted? Yeah, yeah, it's super awesome. Uh, actually, I think I think what's so funny is Moon Knight has this like very dark dissension in the comics. But when he was introduced in this comic, he was essentially a villain created for Werewolf by Night, and who would be a werewolf's enemy? Moon Knight. Yeah, which is hilarious. Totally. If you consider that a few years later he'd be cutting off people's faces. It happens to all of us. I know. Uh, aging, am I right? <laughs> We're going to leave off the last two. You're going to have to read the news article to find out the other bits from April in our 80 years of history. But that's talking about the past. we got to talk about the present because there were some top books from this week's episode of Marvel's The Pull List. This week we chose Avengers No Road Home number 10, Spider-Man Life Story number 2, Star Wars Age of Rebellion special number 1, and War of the Realms War Scrolls number 1. Also, War of the Realms number 2. I rang the bell for that one, Triple P. I said it was one of our picks, and it's not on here. We had five. We went with five. You guys should subscribe to Marvel's Pull List wherever you get your podcasts and watch video versions on Marvel.com. So you've subscribed to the Pull List, but you know the best way to pay for those comics that you're excited about is with your Marvel MasterCard, who, thankfully, is our advertiser this week. Did you know that you could be earning cashback rewards for buying comic books? How? Well, Lorraine, not just comic books, but movies, restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard. 3% cashback indeed, and 1% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on all other purchases. You know, I was just talking to our coworker Patrick about you have to have a credit card to establish credit. So establish some credit with Marvel perks. Might as well. Yeah. There's no limit on the cashback rewards you can earn. You enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of a Marvel Unlimited subscription. And you can choose your superhero from one of six awesome card designs like... Iron Man, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, just to name a couple of them. Yeah, visit marvelmastercard.com slash twim, that's T-W-I-M, to learn more and apply today. marvelmastercard.com slash T-W-I-M. All right, we are back. It's time for our Big Talk section. Lorraine, the Big Talk is sort of random and whatever we want to talk about, but because you're here, we want to talk about live red carpet premieres. I would love to. So funny that you asked. No, honestly, the premieres are, I mean, they're always super fun because we are live streaming them and we're on the carpet. But the thing that people don't, I think, always think about is when you're doing a live stream of a red carpet, for us, we're doing a show. For everyone else, they're showing up at a party to celebrate the thing they already made. So they're not there to work. We're there to work. But that makes it more fun because it's like people are crashing in on you. They just want to hang out. Yeah. Like when you're like uh, watching the premieres you know you're in the middle talking to someone and then they'll see like their friend that they haven't seen since they were filming the thing they just like hug each other and you're like in the middle being like this is great i mean so i did the marvel studios captain marvel premiere and (laughs) it was so funny because our configuration was a little bit different normally you can see the guest walking up toward you. Well, this time our stage was backwards, so the guest was coming from behind us, and I just felt somebody put their arm around me no. and and another one around uh, my co-host. I look over, it's Samuel L. Jackson, oh. which is like a great surprise. Yes. I was like, oh, hey, Samuel L., what's <laughs> up? We're just going to chill now. I love that. Yeah, just killing it in his hat. Yeah, I remember there for the Marvel Studios Captain America Civil War premiere, you were you were doing your thing. Tamara Krinsky was doing her thing, and I was I was there, you know, taking behind the scenes video and showing a different version of what everybody else was watching. Well, and that's the thing too that you don't even think about is before all of those crazy celebrities are everywhere, all over mobbing the carpet. The carpet itself is also just really cool. Oh my God. 
they build it in like 24 hours. It happens super duper fast. They put up this whole huge set. They roll out the literal carpet. But then they also put a ton of set pieces from Marvel Studios films. So like for Ant-Man, they had that huge salt shaker, you know, in the film, he expands it and makes it big. Well, they have a huge salt shaker now. So it's sitting there on the set. There was the drop ship, the Kree drop ship that Minerva drives in Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel on that set. But there's always like a big, huge, crazy set piece and then some really fun other little things. But for Infinity War, they did a huge tent for the Marvel Cinematic Universe's 10th anniversary. And they had costumes and props and sweet cars like just, Did you steal a car? I stole five cars. Amazing. I'm yeah, so proud of no, you. Yeah, no, I am the reason why there's so many security problems. Now. Yeah. Uh, I do want to give a big shout out to the Marvel Studios and Disney like live events teams. And even you know the Marvel team here, uh, the Marvel themed entertainment. Like everybody who works behind the scenes to put these together. It's one of those things. Yes, there's thousands of people in any movie production, any television production, working at comics. Like all this stuff. And it's those people who you'll never hear about who do such amazing work behind the scenes, making it so the people watching, everybody who's listening now, doesn't even think about it. Oh, definitely. And I I also think that's one of the wonderful things about the premieres, too, is there are so many people who work on these films that are never in front of the camera. Like, just the VFX crew and the SFX crews are huge, and they all make that film come to life in such a big way. And what a wonderful way to get to celebrate them and for them to get to be a part of the carpet, too. Do you know what number premiere this is for you coming up? I was trying to figure it out. I mm-hmm. think I think it's at least six or seven. I think it might be my lucky seventh. Wow. I know. There have been so many. Yeah. It's crazy bananas. And you, who are you co-hosting with main for this one? On this live stream, I'm going to be co-hosting with Elsie Granderson up on the front podium. And then we're also going to have Tamara Krinsky, who does a ton of our carpets, wonderful Marvel host. And then also the best, as you know, host of Marvel's Voices and your co-host for the Twitter show, Angelique Rocher, is going to be there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the the carpets are great. People are going to be able to watch this. It's going to be super fun. One of the fun things is also looking in the background of shots and seeing all the different people who are involved or the, the people who are, like, just walking through and you'll see, like, comic creators. Or you'll see, like, just people who are well-known because of their presence in Marvel stuff. Oh, and I, along those same lines, love seeing the fan interactions. When the stars get out of their cars, it rhymes, but it's also true, there is usually a bank of fans. And a lot of people, especially for the Avengers films because the cast are so immense, they line up early in the morning, sometimes the night before, and just hang out for a chance to get a look at the people coming down the carpet. And it's so meaningful for so many fans. I just really love getting to see those interactions and all the people who show up in costumes, who cosplay. It's it's just so sweet. And it feels like one of those moments where there's like a real sense of community. And there's a real sense of community, I think, in this cast because they've been working together for over a decade. Yeah, a lot of them, the, the like the core six. And then even, you know, for the filming of the last two films, so many of them worked together for like two, three years. If you think about the writers and the Russos, the Russos started with Captain America Winter Soldier. So they've been there for a very long time, you know, weaving these stories from the very beginning. Yeah, pretty cool. So much excitement. Many excitement. It is days away. It might be today if you're listening to this on Monday. Again, when is the premiere? The premiere is April 22nd, starting at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. It is live. So if you're watching on the East Coast, that's a different time zone for you. 7.30 in the East Coast, but we have a lot of listeners who are in other parts of the world, in the U.K., uh, so you'll have to do the math. Yeah, math I don't know all that math. And um. Interact with us and hashtag Avengers Endgame throughout the night. Watch over on Marvel.com. There's going to be a lot of cool content coming around that as well throughout the night. And I'm sure we'll also be sharing cool stuff on the Avengers pages on social media and the like. It's going to be the best. The best. It's going to be honestly really cool because this one, uh, no spoilers, but it's going to be a little different. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, All right, that's it for our big talk, but we still have more to go with this show. Our interview this week is with Yasser Lester. Yasser is great. He is fantastic. Did you get to talk to him for EMS? No. Um, He is on the Showtime show Black Monday. There's an amazing story that we get into on this interview 
of Yasser, who got to interact with Chris Claremont, legendary X-Men writer, and one of Yasser's favorite writers for his time on X-Men. I won't spoil it. You'll have to listen to it in this interview. But I will say, Yasser and I geeked out because of our collective love of Executioner Song. Oh my gosh, I just said that to you earlier. I literally said that Ryan on the live stream, if he gets any time to talk alone, he's just going to talk about Executioner Song. And that's crazy because I'm so right. I'm going to talk about sweet, sweet Cable shooting Professor Xavier in the head. The end of the first issue, but it's not Cable, it's Strife. And then we get into, I got to stop. I got to stop. Oh, well, (sighs) talk about Strife. All right, listen to our interview with Yasser Lester. We are joined by Yasser Lester here today. How you doing? I'm good. What's going on? Big Rye? Yeah. I like that. Can we now call me (laughs) Big Rye? I have to put that in. Do not shake your head, Persia. But Yasser, here on This Week in Marvel, I always like to start the conversation by finding out the guest's Marvel origin story. Like, How did you first get connected to... The characters, the comics, the stories, whatever it was. Some people tell me bedsheets. Some people tell yeah. me underoos. Some people say it was a cartoon or a movie. What was it for you? It's actually how I learned to read. Yes. Um, my cousin, Carrie, uh, who's like six or seven years older than me, was just a huge comic person. And like, as like a kid, you know, all kids' books are co- like low key the same. It's like a caterpillar does this, there's a train. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just like the four kid archetypes and yeah. he's like check this out and i want to say the first thing i ever ever read was the original marvel run on transformers it was oh, like the transformers yeah. gi joe stuff and it just blew my mind because especially at the time like again with kids books like art isn't it's not that dynamic it's beautiful and like it's very much in its lane but like the first time i saw that stuff I was like I just like completely short circuited, went on to like very quickly. Keep in mind, I was still very young, but I was just like reading all of like New Mutants and like all of these. Oh, like, you just went pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just it. immediately, it was just like, Mom, buy me a katana. You know, like just like <laughs> completely lost my mind. But after that, like I just went so hard for decades, you know? And like right. the thing that sucks now is just like, you know, you kind of, not to say that I've gotten too busy, but like, I just have to be more specific. I just can't read everything sure. now. You know what I mean? But before, it was every single book that came out every single week, I would I would read it. I like that you said you went from Transformers, which had, I think, a lot of Simon Furman comics and like really yeah, cool yeah. stuff, and then right into Chris Claremont and Bill Sienkiewicz. Yeah, yeah. And like, that is the gnarliest mm-hmm. mid-80s cool, yeah, yeah. weird stuff. I, I yeah. love that stuff. We're going to talk a lot about Marvel throughout the show, but yeah. you have a podcast with your brother, yes. uh, Isaiah, called My Brother Sneaker, Yes, which I will tell you, it makes me feel really self-conscious about my own <laughs> sneaker oh, and general no, style game, no. uh, but I wanted to show off my my favorite shoes, which are a pair of uh, Those New Balance. Those are hard. Are these the Venoms? Yeah, they're Venoms. Yeah. And so, yeah you, that's how you yeah. lace, them, lace them up. They got a little venom over here. Yeah. That's all I got, though. No, here's, I, here's the thing, and, and me and my brother do talk about this. You just need one pair. The rest of your shoes can be whatever you want. You need one pair that you can step out in the street and everyone loses their mind or just mean a lot to you. And yeah. the fact, like, if I saw you on the street with those, I would stop you and be like, let's talk about all okay. this. You know what I mean? So good. you're good. You're golden. Great. You did it. Speaking <laughs> of golden, I have a pair of Golden Girl sneakers. So those <laughs> I, I actually have never worn because okay. I don't want to mess them up. What? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, you I actually, I, yeah. Okay. As in, like, they're. Are they modeled after a shoe they no, wore they, on the show, or it just like, has their pictures on they, them? It just has their pictures on it. But it's like, I love the Golden Girls. Okay. And I just I saw them online. I was like, yes, I'm going to buy these high tops yeah, yeah. that I don't know I'll ever wear. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. I have a pair of shoes that just look like a drum machine that I liked. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'll never wear them. And it was a waste of money. But look, we all have things that make us happy. Yeah. Uh, who in the Marvel Universe do you think has a good sneaker game? I mean, okay, clearly there's the movie now, so you have to go with Miles Morales. Oh, you know? yeah. Wow. But you want to say Luke Cage, just like on being black. But <laughs> but really, what I think, I actually think Luke Cage probably only owns like Timberlands. 
You know, I could see. I that. think he has like two pairs of Timberlands. He's always up, getting up. into yeah, yeah, yeah. something dangerous and like walking and like, through walls. Why would you want to mess up? A good you don't. Pair? Yeah, again, you're not gonna wear Asics while you're. You know, <laughs> I weirdly just for the trolling sake of it, I would. I would say uh, I think Deadpool probably have a few pairs. I weirdly think in any iteration in which you take him, I think Human Torch. Everything. He's one of not just stylish, but very self-conscious of his coolness, you know, and very much never lets that down. So I think that absolutely he'd be like, here's the suit. Here's the this here's you know, and I definitely think sneakers are a part of that. Those are my those are my guesses. It's not sneakers, but much like your shirt, I think Mystique has an incredible boot collection. I feel like a very designer, like a, you know, a Louboutin or like just like a very high clear heel. Yeah. A very classy, clear heel boot. (laughs) Here's the weird thing I've always thought about with Mystique and Skrulls and other shape changers is oftentimes their whole thing changes. So what they're wearing changes. Yeah. And for Mystique, she doesn't change like the clothes that she's wearing. Right. So much as her skin. Mm -hmm. So every time you see her change into something different, it's her skin. And so would she... Would she even bother with like buying a pair of of really fancy boots, or would she just be like, "I like those," and turn her like skin into that? Here's what I'll say though, because now we have to get into the like the full biology of it. Sure, there's no way her feet are so calloused that she's comfortable just because she's just barefoot the entire yeah. time. That's crazy. That's crazy. I think she has like three or four pairs of like tonight. I'm just going to be a regular Danielle. She sh- she changes shape. She just looks like a Danielle. She throws on a pair of boots and she's out in the world. I think you know. Okay. I, I think you're you're going a little deep. Yeah, no. I, I think Mystique has four pairs of shoes, money, and I think she has. <laughs> I love that. All right. So our our awesome talent producer Patrick yes. he shared a photo of you yeah. sitting on a couch at Upright Citizens Brigade oh, Theater yeah. with legendary X Men writer Chris yeah. Claremont. Mm-hmm. Um, can you please shine more light on what was going on there? Yes. So at UCB, uh, they they still do it, Patrick. Right. Uh, there's a show called Ask Cat where they take people who essentially give like a short monologue, and from that short monologue, improvisers then do scenes, improvise scenes based off your monologue. So at the time I was a writer on Girls with one of my good friends, Tammy Sager, Mm -hmm. who is an incredible performer. So funny, so so talented, writer, multi-hyphenate beyond comparison. She's like, do you want to do ASCAT? I'm like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Uh, She asked me like a day before, by the way. I show up, that's where I meet Patrick and everyone. And uh, Tammy and Patrick are like, oh, yeah, so the other the other person on the show is uh, this guy, Chris Claremont, blah, blah, blah. Which is weird because no one usually says someone's full name when they say, like, this guy. And I was just like, wait, I'm sorry. Are we talking about Chris Claremont, Chris Claremont, the, the writer? And everyone's like, yeah. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, are you crazy? I don't want to, like, meet in this setting. I have to, like, say I love you first and, like, all these other things. So anyway... I got scared to, because I, I, like, the one thing I've never gotten good at is, like, being like, hey, let's get a picture together. I just can't, like, sometimes I'm just like, do I just let the memory happen, and then that's it. So, I'm talking to Sweet Patty, <laughs> uh, Sweet Patty and Sweet You're Tammy. You're never going to live that one down. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm still just freaking out, and they're like, you should just get a picture, and I was just like, I said the same thing, I was just like, no way. And they're like, no, we'll, we'll, here's, here's how we'll do it. We'll just disguise it as a group picture. And even in the photo, I'm trying to do a thing where I'm like being cool and funny, but also being surprised. And it just comes off as me being like, oh, this little boy doesn't know how to handle being around a hero. <laughs> like, I'm just like, <laughs> it's so crazy. And like, the thing is, like, it's like one of those pictures that you do want to keep. And it's like, I, have it clearly but it's not i I can't be like hey this is when i met one of my heroes and everyone's like you look stupid (laughs) so i just have to tell people the story versus being like and here's the evidence you know i also met stan lee once and ended up making the exact same face (laughs) i was like oh maybe i'm not good at being in pictures maybe i should stop being in pictures with Stan in particular, like I can see that. Like everybody's, yeah. My first picture with Stan, I can re- remember the way I was like grinning and shaking because it was, yeah, it was Stan. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, first time. I mean, it like, it's wow. just so wild. And like, 
he was one of those people that genuinely either had cultivated the personality so well or that was literally him, which I think it's the latter, clearly. Yeah. But, like, just the voice and everything and the movements. And I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> like, for a minute and a half, like, losing my mind. Uh, what I mentioned, Black Monday, which yeah. you're on, you're right on. Yeah. Uh, that's on Showtime. Yeah. Uh, it looks like such a, it's got to be a fun set. It is. Well, I mean, and here's, uh, again, another link is I'm acting on the show and I'm writing on the show. And uh, the star of it is Marvel Universe's own Don Cheadle, yeah. you know. And so, like, the first time, this is just such a dumb story. The first time I met him, I was, uh, we were still writing. Like, we hadn't even filmed the pilot yet. And he comes in and, like, everyone's just like, we're all naming our favorite roles from him and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, you guys, we're going to be War Machine. Like, this is, <laughs> there's, you know what I mean? Like, and I was like, he's done everything at this point. He's yeah. done everything and he's War Machine. Like, who are you? There's there's no equivalent, really, to this. So everyone uh, is getting ready for him to come in. And I was like, I'm going to do a hilarious bit. Oh, I don't no. tell anybody, though. So he comes in. And he's shaking hands with everyone, introduces himself. They say their name back. Then he gets to me and he's like, what's up, man? I'm Don. And I was like, what's up, man? I'm Don. And he goes, Dom? And I went, no, 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 I'm kidding. I'm." And But by then, he had already moved on to the next person. So I never got the chance. So he stayed there for another two hours. And he'd be like, hey, Dom, so what do you think? And no one corrected him. So I was just sitting there letting Don Cheadle think my name was Dom. Then he leaves, has dinner with the creators like, Two or three days later, and then he's like, yeah, that Dom guy had some pretty good ideas about blah, blah, blah. And they're like, who is Dom? And he's like the only other black person in the room. <laughs> and they're like, yes, sir? And he was like, he told me his name was Dom. And so then they like start calling and texting me, and they're like, what did you do? And I was like, look, it was supposed to be a joke. Again, I got scared. I couldn't correct him. And so then like the next time I saw him, he was just like, Hey man, and I was like, "Hey, I'm. My name is Yasser. It's a pleasure to meet you finally." <laughs> um, but he was probably super cool. I mean, yeah. And then after that, I mean, like he's. It's weird when you meet people like that, you know, that just have they've been around forever. So it, not that it means nothing to them, but they're just like they're just a normal person. Yeah. And he's just like the funniest, coolest person. Regina Hall is maybe the most talented person on planet Earth in <laughs> any regard. Andrew Rannells is. Her equivalent, like you know, I, I mean, it's just so crazy. Paul Shear, who writes books here, like, yeah, is so funny. And like, I, I you know, it was my first chance really working with him, and he's phenomenal. And then, like, Horatio Sands, who's a legend, and like, and then me, just like every once in a while being like, What if I said, and everyone's like, Yeah, let <laughs> the child speak, you know? Like, <laughs> oh man, uh, all right, I want to get into some Marvel stuff yeah. now because you told. Sweet Patty. Sweet Patty, my boy, uh, Sweet Patty. Yeah, you told Sweet Patty. Bang, some... bang, Sweet Patty. <laughs> Sweet Patty, bang, bang. <laughs> so you told him some of the books you love, stuff yeah, that yeah, we, yeah. we could talk about. Because I, you know, we have a lot of people come in, yeah. varying levels of Marvel knowledge. Yeah, yeah. When someone comes in and they're like, here's what I love, here's what I want to talk about, I am ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First up was Mark Miller's Ultimates. Why'd you say that off the bat? Okay, so um, it's not that comics became stagnant, but I do think that there is definitely a period in which that, I feel like there was an industry-wide kind of loss for what what was going to resonate again. You know what I mean? I think that like fans aged, I think with that, you know, writers aged, and everyone kind of just got used to what we were doing, you know? And not to say that that's bad, but like there was a, there was a little bit of just like, I would read something each month. And go like, yeah, that was cool. And then, like, I hadn't, you know, bought anything new in, like, two or three months. And then I went into my local shop. I was still in Georgia. I was still living in Georgia at the time. And uh, I was talking to the manager. And he's like, I'm telling you, this is the one to start with. He was just like, just put down everything. Read this. And, like, I was already such a Brian Hitch fan. Oh. That like on that anyway, like had had the book had no dialogue or no writing whatsoever, I would have read it. But reading that and then especially getting to I want to say it's issue five, which is Hulk takes Manhattan yeah. or Hulk does Manhattan. I was just like, there is I haven't been this excited for something in such a long time. And like I just immediately was just like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, and like, I mean, I knew who he was, but sure. I mean, like, I hadn't really, I hadn't gone through the catalog, you know? And it just immediately 
just like resonated with me and I was just like, oh my God, like this is, this is how I felt when I read New Mutants the first time. You know what I mean? Like it really just, it felt like a speeding train. And I think that like anything, anything that does that for me personally, like I do like a slow burn, but like a speeding train is exactly where I want to be each time. And that's what the Ultimates was for me. And even, I mean, like uh, book one and book two are, were just like so incredible. Like, yeah. I mean, just the way they, the even, you know, Hitch's art and like when you see these invasions each time and everything, you're just like, it, it felt very Alan Moore in a way to me that like, it was so referential in what was happening in the world also. It didn't feel like everything was happening in a vacuum, you know? And that's the one thing that I think Marvel's always done very well. But, like, when it's exaggerated to the point where you're like, this feels like it is happening around the corner, I'll always be on board. Yeah. Around that time, you also, you mentioned uh, New X-Men, like, yeah, Frank yeah. Morris and Frank Quitely yeah, and yeah, all. Yeah. Like, I was rereading a lot of that over the last year and a half yeah. for various things and especially Phil Jimenez's art towards the end Yo, just is, is wild. Mind-blowing. And again, another person. So I interned at this show called Robot Chicken. Yeah. And uh, at the time, uh, Seth, uh, Seth Green and Matt Sinreich were producing or they were trying to get off the ground this like weird action Christmas puppet movie called like, I, I forgot what the title was. They had a concept artist in the back just always working, barely see them, blah, blah, blah. And uh, finally I had to like go ask them if they wanted coffee or something. And they turn around and it's Phil Jimenez. And I was like, why hasn't anyone mentioned this to me? How are you, sir? You know, sweetest, nicest guy. Sweetest. The weirdest thing I'll say is that he was wearing like a button up shirt, jeans, like very professional and then just like flip flops, and I was like, "This, come on, that's a little sociopathic." Like, <laughs> my man, let's 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 throw some throw some boots on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I, I say all that to say that seeing his pencils like on a desk, oh. I was like, "Do I steal? <laughs> Don't should steal. I steal this?" He did a project with our, our group years ago. We were yeah. like doing a kid's idea for a superhero or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But I have like two pages of original art, which I've always meant to give back to him. It's just been, it's sitting somewhere in this office. And I'm like, he's incredible. It's like he's... him and George Perez are like in that realm. Yeah. Yeah. Give them anything. And they make magic that you don't understand how. It's yeah. Made. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. So good. Phil, call us. <laughs> Phil. Uh, there's there's a funny connection. <laughs> Phones ring. Hello. Oh, He's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, some other stuff you talked about here. Marvel Knights, Fantastic Four. Yes. Uh, the Paul Jenkins and Humans, like yeah, that yeah. Marvel Knight stuff. We just celebrated our 20th anniversary. Yeah. Quick plug for anybody who hasn't checked it out. Who's a listener? Uh, one of our editors here did an oral history of Marvel Knights, the okay. intro, and it's so Absolutely. good. It's so good. Absolutely on board for that. All that stuff is great. Jonathan Hickman and Secret Wars is. So incredible, and you mentioned that one. Yeah, well, here and, and you know, to get real, I like, and I, I know we we've kind of talked about, it, but like, I'm an event guy, like you know, through and through, and I will read any book from start to finish if it goes for thirty years, I'm on board. But like, you give me like a nice twelve issue, a nice, like, your boy is just swimming in it, living for it, just oh, the <laughs> twist of the tires, where are we go? Like, I just love it. I love things that. I like when things make me feel crazy. That's why I love Grant Morrison's New X-Men. That's why I love Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars. That's why I love Paul Jenkins and Humans. Like, all of these things, when someone is so good at writing and can convince you to an extent, you're like, oh, this is like a thing that exists that I should be reading more about. And they're like, no, we made this up. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? When they like break down the the physical property or something, and you're like, oh, cool. And then you find out they're just making it up. You're like, oh, that was good. Yeah. That was they did a good job. Yeah. Uh, that's what Secret Wars for me. That's what New X Men was for me. That's Inhumans. I think is just one of the best war stories. I think it is one of the most scathing artistic pieces about just human interaction and race relations and immigration and all the things we are dealing with now. I I think that anyone who has any opinion on any of that could absolutely and should read Inhumans. It's yeah. phenomenal. And uh, I always say Jay Lee, but is, is that how you pronounce Jay it? Lee. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, going to talk about him. I, I mean, the first time you see that, because 
his art transitioned into that. His his earlier books don't look like that. And then by the time you get to Inhumans, again, it you just look like you're looking at photos and you're like, how are they doing this? Yeah. You know. And Jay, so I love Jay's work. Yeah. And so one of the other books you mentioned is my favorite story of all time, yeah. Executioner Song. Which is to me, buddy. Like I, I, I got this list. I was like, yeah. I had that stepbrothers moment. Like, yeah, are we best friends now? Because yeah. this we is are. all the stuff yeah, yeah. that I love. I get so excited. Yeah. Because executioner song, and you have like a murderer's row of artists on that. You yeah, yeah. Hubert, you have Capullo. Yeah. You have Peterson, and you have Jay Lee. Yeah, yeah. And Jay Lee, just doing the gnarliest work there. And yeah. then you look at that tr that transition. That's yeah. Like, seven, eight years later, mm -hmm. whatever it is, to his Inhumans. Yeah, yeah. And he's just so magnificent. But Executioner Song, you open up this like beautiful story of like, hey, peace and harmony. And we're yeah, gonna have yeah, this yeah. concert. You bring in Lila Cheney, who's the coolest character. Yeah. And you've got all this stuff going on. You've got neat stuff. And the book, the first issue ends with what looks like Cable shooting Professor Xavier in the yeah. face. And it's like, yeah. now we're gonna get real yeah. crazy. I, I think, and the reason that I, you know, you know, I've been reading X-Men and all all the big ones, but like that was the first one where it was like an introduction into like mature for, for me personally. That was the first one that I read where I was like, I feel mature reading this. Like yeah. I feel like now I feel like the cool teens that I saw down at the shop reading and like discussing it and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and again, just like weirdly just like relating to strife, you know, yeah. like, you know, you like love, really, like he's, he's yeah, like, abandoned, yeah. But he's not like, even, there's so it many was, emotions. It's, it truly like, and for me, like that was the first thing where I was just like, I need every satellite issue, whatever it is that links to this, get it for me. You know what I mean? Like I will sell whatever I need to legal, illegal. Tell me what it takes. <laughs> I want the, you know, like, I, but I absolutely loved it, adore yeah. it. And to this day, it's like one of the things that I have on my bookshelf. Same that here. <laughs> uh, I've got a bunch of other event stories that I wanted yeah, to run yeah. down with you. Quick first thought okay. that hits the top of your head okay. when you hear these. Okay. Operation Galactic Storm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Infinity Gauntlet. Well, perfect. Uh, maximum Security. Eh. <laughs> 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 Extinction Agenda. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Phalanx Covenant. Oh, yo. Oh, my God. Sorry. I legit forgot about it until this moment. Right? Yeah. Joe Metarea, all the weird oh stuff. Blink shows up and then she's God. gone. And there's all kinds Yo. of things. Generation uh, X. Yeah. Oh. All, so on board. So good. I, okay, now I'm like, I gotta, I'm going to have to go yeah. to the shop and pick it up again. That's uh, so Age of Apocalypse. Okay, so that one truly, so I, I ended up dropping out, but I like got into art school, Savannah College of Art and Design, and like my, I, I wanted to just do like, comics style storyboard art for whatever movies animations whatever it was i used to trace every single panel from joe's age of apocalypse books every single one like if, if you if you can find the box of art from my childhood there are just ninety three thousand pictures of a wolverine with one missing hand you know what i mean like the hybrid of anime to traditional yeah. comics art was it, it was mind blowing for me yeah. at the time. I like couldn't believe the dynamic looks of uh, the muscles and everything. Like anyway, sorry. No, continue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my tracing was old issues of uh, what the 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 parody yeah, yeah, yeah. humor book. We yeah. Had. Oh my god. Um, Perfect. Too. Okay. What else? Uh, Operation Zero Tolerance. Loved it. Civil That's War. Amazing. Civil War. Um, uh, a, a had the very last moment not happened. Oh. Would love it. Interesting. It's, it's the last thing that happened that I was like, no, like the speech and okay, anyway, okay, but, all yeah. right. Uh, last one we're going to talk about is Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. Can I say this? Uh, the, the most exciting parts to me were the covers. Like, <laughs> I know, I no! know. Here's the thing. Had fun with it, but again, like if we're talking. In comparison to the new Secret Wars or whatever it is. Like, I mean, those are things that like, you know. Sure. And like, I guess to me the difference is popcorn versus like, this is like, I'm a, I'm really feeling like, you know, like yeah. the, the philosophy versus the fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to me, Secret Evasion is fun, but like it didn't it didn't hit my faux intellectual core. Got it. No, <laughs> I, I fully understand what you're saying. Yeah. I love the the whole like 
we're a dying race. There's this whole religious aspect. There's a whole yeah, bunch yeah. of things to it. I love Secret Invasion. Uh, I, I will say you, you're going to have to check out War of the Realms. I want to be able to talk okay, about yeah, War yeah. of the Realms with you right. uh, later on because it is I'm a huge Marvel Universe yeah, yeah. event. Okay. And it, it's real fun. All right, big thanks to Yasser for coming by Marvel HQ to do all that and chat with us. Uh, there's a video version of the interview. You can watch that on themarvel.com. It's so nice that you guys are best, best friends. I know, but he's in L.A. Oh. We haven't really talked about being best friends oh. since he oh. left the room. Oh. We'll figure this out. It'll be fine. Sounds he'll, like it didn't know. work out. Uh-oh. But it is time for our question of the week. What's our question, Lorraine? Our question for this week is, what is your favorite Avengers storyline? And that could be anything. Anything that makes you feel right. Do you have a favorite Avengers story? I'm just going to choose one that is fresh in my mind, which it's not a big arc or anything. I just recently reread it, and it gives me a good tickle when Monica Rambeau was, they were like, hey, do you want to be the chairwoman of the Avengers and she was like I don't know and she hulks like shut it down give her space to think and she's like you can do this and then she's like yeah I can I will be the chairman of the Avengers and it's the best yeah my I, I think so if I'm looking at Avengers proper and looking at the title Avengers I would go with Ultron Unlimited Kurt Busiek and George Perez like 1999 2000 whatever it was somewhere in there it's like five issues it's a lot of influence to film and, and other interpretations of Ultron, but Ultron destroys an entire country, beats the hell out of the Avengers, and it has my one of my favorite Thor moments, Avengers moments, where they have like been beaten all to hell, but they come back and their costumes are in tatters and burst through a wall. Thor is just like, Ultron, we would have words with thee. And it's just... So cool, and then they they take down Ultron. It's an awesome story. I need. Have you ever read Celestial Madonna? Yes. I need to read that. It is. I, I've read like little bits and pieces of it. It's real weird, trippy seventies Avengers, right? Okay, so if we're talking about the original arc where she finally kind of steps up as the Celestial Madonna. Uh-huh. So Swordsman was her her bow. They were married. All that action, or well, they were together. He dies. She is the Celestial Madonna chosen, so she's supposed to marry a Kotati, which is an alien, but is actually a tree. A tree. It's a psychic tree alien. But not like a psychic tree alien. But not like Groot. And then she puts she puts her forehead to the tree and is like, I understand now. We are to marry. And then it takes on the shape of swordsmen. And they marry. She so she marries a psychic tree in the body of her dead boyfriend. It is bananas, and I am here for it. I need you to describe all stories for me <laughs> from now on. That is perfect, and it means I definitely need to read this. And it's also the the issue where Vision and Wanda get married. Because huh? they get married in a joint marriage as if there were not enough going on. Sure. Yeah, let's just say, why not? Lots of good Avengers stories, and of course, the films. Uh, give me that Thanos. I'm all about them. I thought uh, Marvel Studios Avengers Infinity War was incredible. Can't wait for Endgame next week. It's going to be... I'm going to keep my fingers crossed, but not snapped. On that note, uh, just remind you guys that you can tweet your answers to our question of the week using hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can email them to twimpodcast.marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. Uh, let's go to our community section where we just have one tweet this week, and it comes from King Pain, who says, I just picked up the comic earlier today in response to a video we posted of Travis McElroy, who is one of the writers for War of the Realms, Journey into Mystery. King Pain says, was snooping around for Tony Stark, Iron Man number 10, but it wasn't out yet. I always go to my favorite shop, Comic Kazi. That was awesome. I love hearing about everybody's favorite comic shops. Uh, one quick one in here from Simon Sebs, who asks me if I'm going to be doing the Marvel Live Twitter show on top of This Week in Marvel and Marvel's The Pull List, or will I be leaving one of the shows? And I say, I'm doing all of it. Yeah, he is. And I got another show that I'm helping out with, too. It's going to be fun. I don't even know what it is, so I'm going to talk to Ryan about that right after this. But also, I have to say, you're like... um I don't want to say a cockroach, but I do want to say that you're like ever present. You can't, you can't be destroyed. You come up to my show and call me a cockroach. No, this is on the record. This is how we end the show. No. I'm Ryan. 
Uh, no! I'm Lorraine, but I'm in trouble. This is Marvel. You're in trouble. <laughs>